0: Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What is going on? Coach Luca back with the Vigor Life Podcast with none other than my friend James Krieger who uh, decided to go with the Seahawks at Why well, go with the Yankees at, even though <laughs> we're both like kind of down the street from each other, kind of, sort of. Uh, yeah. in the but you know what? I always have to go matching outfits. Otherwise, you know, kittens die somewhere or something. Um, <laughs> but man, finally, finally got you on the show. I'm so glad we've we kind of been catching up for a while. Uh, yeah. but you're one of the people I was like, man, I got to get James on for a number of reasons. For everybody that's listening, um, make sure you check this out. and I'll put all the links in there. But uh, James has uh, the site and author of Waitology. So uh, where he breaks down research, like this guy knows his stuff. And that's what we're going to dive into. Um, but also, uh, what we'll kind of delve into as well, we just talked about it before, was the financial investments for for people in general, but definitely for coaches and in industry, um, because uh, him and Chad Landers actually are launching something, which I'm sure he'll talk about a little bit later, but I'm actually super intrigued in this, and and, and they know their stuff. So uh, without further ado, welcome to the Big Life Podcast, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. My yeah. pleasure, I and, and so... Th- you know, I always think about, okay, cool. What, what, how can I extract the most juice out of the orange that is James's brain here uh, with wisdom? And, you know, I, and as I was just reading through some stuff, and I, I know we all know that, you know, we're kind of living in the time, I, I will say, the unhealthiest time uh, for Americans probably ever, right? 43% obesity. It's like around 80% obese and overweight. Um, I mean, it, it, I think it was John russell that posted that only 12% of Americans over the age of 18 are healthy based on specific markers that were posted in, yeah. you know, and, and it's sometimes, I mean, for me, it's, uh, I would say it's something that drives me, but also it can be frustrating sometimes, right. When you're in industry and you bust your ass, like learning everything. And I mean, I'm going through like two behavior change courses, like right now, uh, you know, cause I'm like, all right, how do I learn more and more and more and more yeah. to help people? More? And, you know, more people have a gym membership than they ever had. Uh, I mean, all these. if you looked at certain stats, you'd be like, oh, wow, man, we're we're going in the right direction. And at the same time, you know, health is declining. And, you know, one of the main markers, of course, we know is body fat percentage and weight because it's so so correlated to so, you know, to health, period. If you have much higher body fat percentage, uh, it's correlated to most, I would say, of the main diseases that we're facing uh, in this day and age. So, you know, because like you do obviously so much of the research, I almost wanted to go like, okay, look, you know, what are these principles that, that we're seeing that stick, that people need to understand and the skill sets that they need to learn to, you know, get healthy with weight, with body fat percentage. Um, and we'll, we'll maybe dive into, uh, some building muscle stuff too, because I know that that's an important factor. Um, but what would you say if you kind of had to, you know, you're you're wise you're yoda right now you know yeah. and you got a padawan and it's like here's these principles i have to teach you so that we change the world. <laughs> um
1: i i think it, it, it's a couple it, it's a couple things um you know i think from a from a weight loss perspective so let's ignore let's ignore the weight maintenance thing because that's another important factor because a lot of people actually successful at losing weight but they aren't successful at keeping it off i mean you know that's like a huge you know actually most people that have tried to lose weight in the past have probably have done so but they just didn't keep it off and and the stats are really bad on that but we'll we'll address the weight maintenance here in a second but for the weight loss um i mean it, it as much as i'm an exercise guy and a lot of us coaches are personal trainers and we're exercise people um from a weight loss perspective the nutrition is always the most important part like you know and and the stats over and over again it shows the number one predictor of weight loss success is dietary adherence like like by far you know i mean i mean it's not ideal you know people can lose weight without an exercise program obviously there's reasons why you want to have an exercise program in there but regardless dietary adherence is uh is by far the most important thing and the thing that makes dietary adherence so difficult is like our, our brains are literally wired to work against us mm-hmm. like you know actually a book I highly recommend I, I, I don't know Luca if you've read it um, uh, Stefan Guyonet um, he's actually a Seattle guy uh, uh, he lives in the Seattle area but uh, he's got a book called The Hungry Brain And he goes over, like, all the reasons why, um, why basically, like, a Western-type diet uh, just makes it so hard for people to lose weight and keep it off because it literally, like, overrides your brain signals, uh, you know, it, it, it makes you want to eat more and more food. And this type of food that overrides our natural appetite regulation is, like, everywhere, like, it surrounds us everywhere, like, you know. I mean, shit, it's across the street from your gym, you know. I mean, you know,
0: in my gym, in my, in your gym, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know? we got, we got, you know, health, healthy foods, but, but it's the combo of, I think if it was, it's a salt, <laughs> fat, uh, sugars yep. like gelatin, right, right, which is essentially like the protein factor, which is just the dopamine yeah. shot your brain, yeah, that goes like, oh, survival. Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just like it. Oh, it overrides your natural appetite regulation. And so it's just so easy to overeat on foods without even really realizing you're overeating, you know, and I mean, I mean, geez, I I mean, I I could talk literally hours about the the science behind it, but it's like, you know, um, you know, there's a reason why, you know, people that go from, you know hunter-gatherer societies and suddenly adopt a western diet why they immediately gain weight you know it's just like you know it's just these foods that we eat are so energy dense or they're they're it's like it's like a quadruple edged sword or something it's like they're very calorie dense which means it packs a lot of energy in a very small package right think of a, a Reese's peanut butter cup right I mean it's not very big Yet, it, it, yet one Reese's peanut butter cup is like 100 calories, you know, and imagine an apple, which is much, much bigger than the peanut butter cup and actually has less calories than the peanut butter cup does, right? So that's energy density, right? So, so not only are you packing a lot of calories into a small package, which in and of itself causes issues with appetite regulation, but also um, you've got, you know, obviously the taste, uh, the sweet taste, you know, the fat in it all signals, right, you know, you mentioned the dopamine in your brain, the reward signals that, hey, I want to eat more of that, right, and so, um, you know, and, and these foods are everywhere, and yeah, it's that kind com- of, that combination of sugar, fat, salt, in fact, there's a book called Sugar, Sat- F- sugar uh, Salt, Fat, or something like that, that I that think of- show on
0: Netflix. Uh, it's, yeah, it's possibly, book, but
1: I, um, so, So, yeah, so that it makes it hard for people to lose weight. And so, so people have to find a dietary strategy, you know, where they limit those types of foods. And that's what I want to say is like, there's no magical diet out there. You know, people say, oh, you got to do keto or you got to do paleo or whatever. The fact is, um, you know, there's no one right way. It's just like, what can you stick to and what can you stick to for the long run, right? Um, Any approach though, that's going to work is essentially going to reduce Dramatically reduce the types of foods that I just talked about, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's what you, you've got to do. So, you know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the, the nutrition aspect really revolves
0: around that, you know. um. And this, I mean, you know, and obviously nutrition has been such, if you, I don't know, 15 years ago, actually, or 10 years ago, you know, if you went to a coach you talk training, you organize training, you do all this. Like now today, I mean, if, if you're not doing nutrition coaching, like you're out of your mind, because obviously people come to you for results. Yeah, And so you have to understand, actually, I mean, you got, I feel like you got to understand things like sleep and recovery, at least to a certain degree. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, and you got to understand nutrition and with that, you got to understand behavior change. Now on those points, right. What are, what are some of the things that, you know, too, just from studies and, and people that you've been around or books that you've read that, uh show okay what is effective in getting people to cut out some of that you know like whether it's hey, eat mostly unprocessed food yeah yeah uh, nutrient dense food but not calorie dense food what are some what some steps almost bullet points to that that help people do that
1: yeah i'd say one thing is introducing as many barriers as possible so you know um, one of the challenges that people have is it's so easy to get these foods, right? I mean, you literally have to do almost no work. Like, you think of a hunter-gatherer, you know, they have, they got to work for their food, right? And, um, th- you know, their brains are wired the same way ours are. You know, they, they value sugar, salt, fat, but but hunter-gatherers, they have to work for that stuff, right? We can just, like, order it online and have it delivered to our door and literally don't have to do anything and it, 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 we expend very little energy to obtain the food that we we want. And so one you know really good habit change or things to incorporate is is establishing as many barriers as possible. So number one, I'm like, um, one thing you have control over is the food that's in your house. So you know, a lot of these foods just don't have them in your house in the first place. At least make it so you gotta go somewhere or or do something to get it. like, like any effort barrier you can put in place is going to make it easier for you to change your habits, right? Um, You know, um, and even things like if you do have those foods in the house, it could be even something like, I don't know, let's say you got some of these foods in the freezer, bury them at the bottom of the freezer and have other stuff on top. Like, you know, um, the the more barriers you can put in place, um, you know, the the easier it's going to be um, even, even simple things like, um, you know, if you're going to have food sitting out on the countertop or whatever, make sure it's like whole foods, like a whole orange or, or whole apple and not orange slices or whatever, you know, anything where you got, again, you got to work, like you got to peel an orange, you know, anything you, you got to put those effort barriers in um, and, and those things can really actually help uh, quite a bit. Um, but, but I'd say starting with your home environment is big because that's, that's the thing you have the most. That's the thing people have the most control over is their home environment. So that's, it's a lot harder with restaurants and things like that.
0: Yeah. No, but I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of want to dive into that just a little bit. And I mean, whether it's most habits book, have touched on this, whether it's BJ Fogg or James clear, or, you know, make, make uh, the right things easier to do, make the wrong things harder to do. Right. And, um, People still don't. What's so crazy is like I'm such a a kind of advocate for you know the the kitchen makeover, and and going like, hey, look, this is the first thing you got to do, and you got to create some rules because people are like, okay, cool, I got this new plan, diet, this, that, the other, and you still got uh, you know you still got these patterns you know at home. Same thing, like you come home tired, you for the thing, and and it's still there. If you don't address that, you're gonna keep going back to it and then feeling crappy about. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't resist it. And it's, it's like, you're yeah. relying on willpower too much. And the other thing too, I got like a, a rule that I like, uh, it's called plan, prepare, cook. Now I, I cook more than I did. I put it this way in 2019 for sure. But, uh, I still go eat out quite a bit, but I plan on where I'm going to eat, where I'm going to eat. Yep. Um, and that's a big thing. Cause if you go to, you know, I always say like, if you don't have a path or a plan, your default ends up being struggle, right. You go back to the same stuff. So it, if the cafeteria you go to has crappy food, can you go to another cafeteria that has better choices? Yeah. Right? yeah. Automatically, you'll make a little bit you know, better choice. And you, if you go yeah. to, I don't know, Homegrown here in Seattle, like the worst choice is probably better than if you go to, I don't know, you know fill in the blank, McDonald's or, or something yeah. else, right? Like, yeah. So I think that's probably one of the most important things uh, in a- asking yourself, which environments am I in to, and, and how can I change? Some of them you can't change, but some of them you can't. You can, you can yeah. affect yeah. those environments, right? So I'm, I'm yeah. glad you brought that part up. Uh, is there anything else that's like stands out? You know, because it's, it's almost like, what are the, the small hinges that swing big doors? Like this is actually, this is probably a decently sized hinge that swings like massive doors. But yeah. uh, what are some other things like that first on the weight loss part uh, are pretty critical to address that, you know, people have to make it like a, this is really important.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a few things that, uh, kind of little tips that I've given my clients in the past. So like, for example, you know, I, I like my clients to eat a lot of protein because protein is satiating and things like that. And, and, and one kind of rule of thumb that I've, that I have for when, you know, if you're at the grocery store and you're trying to pick out some lean protein, I I always tell people, hey, look at the protein grams and look at the fat grams. If you've got twice as many protein grams as fat grams, then then you're doing pretty good. So so if if something's got 20 grams of protein and 10 grams of fat, that that's that's yeah. pretty good. You know, um, uh, you know that's especially true if you're choosing meats and stuff like that. You know, if if you can double the protein over the fat, then then you're on the right path you know it's a good rule of thumb you know that, that i use for myself i do it myself all the time you know so when i'm looking at food labels or whatever so um you know there's there's no type of things i mean even little things like you know um this isn't totally reliable anymore it used to be they'd tell you you know, shop on the perimeter of the grocery store, because that's where your fruits and vegetables and stuff are. But unfortunately, that's also usually where the bakery is and
0: everything like that. So. I was about to say, but then what happened is that <laughs> the people that run the stores heard that said, yeah, go yeah. there. <laughs> I know. In there. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but I will say this, though, don't, don't
1: go to the grocery store hungry, right? Like, like, I've I've experienced it myself, like, like I will buy foods that I normally wouldn't buy if I'm hungry while I'm shopping, right? Because I'll see something, I'll be like, "Oh, that looks good," right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, so you know, you know, sometimes little things like that can go a long way. I mean, uh, or let's say you are going to go into an environment where you don't have much control. Let's say you're you're going to a wedding, right? You have no control over the food that's going to be there, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, what I tell people is, you know drink a protein shake before you go or something, right? You know, just at least take some edge off the appetite, you know, so you're not starving, you you know, just put yourself in a situation so you're not as hungry, you're not hungry when you get there. And so you're not as, you you know, you're not going to be as tempted by, you know, the foods that are around and stuff, you know? And, and, And then, you know, another thing is, I think it's really important is, is I stress this over and over again with people, there's no such thing as good or bad foods right because the problem is is as soon as you label a food as bad you set up this whole bad this psychological thing that like if you eat it then you feel totally guilty that you ate the food or whatever like you know you can have small amounts of stuff that that you and that you really like you know it, it it's not that big of a deal um And especially if you had the attitude, hey, I can have a little bit of this stuff, but it's just the, it's the amounts and how often you're eating it. That's what really matters, you know? So, um, so I think that's another thing is get away from that black and white thinking, because that'll, you know, it starts you, if you start thinking, oh, I'm on my diet and now I'm off my diet, you know, that
0: psychologically already it, it, it's, yeah. it's crushing because then you always feel in terms of on and off but the, the truth is you're always on a diet or, yeah. or splash on a nutrition plan yeah it's just what are you what are you doing right I yeah. mean that's what it comes down to and I like uh, same thing I I've, I've never met a person that you know they're like okay I'm doing this thing um and I'm staying away from xyz you know and my question is always like okay so how long are you staying away for it for yeah well you know because well as long as i can i'm not going to do it anymore of course you come on stop it like you're never going to eat sugar again you're never yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah and of course so what happens is something goes wrong whether it's some emotional stressful stuff in life uh you don't have the resource that you think you're going to have yep and all of a sudden boom you know here comes the dopamine hit and then you go down it's i mean it's like almost like a down to the, the funnel of addiction it's not it's not addiction but at the same time now you're like, well, now I did it. Now I feel bad. Ah, uh, fuck it. I'll start next week. Whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah, but yeah. It, it, to, to me, it's almost like that plan, prepare, cook. Go back to that, right? Go look, yeah. just plan when you're going to have, you want to have some pizza? Have pizza on Saturday night. Have a burger. Have. But plan yeah. it out so you're actually like, this is part of the structure that I want to hit. I'm fine. Yeah. This yeah. is my 10%, my 15%. Uh, and, and then you actually enjoy it. And yep. you're right back on your plan. Like you're on your plan the whole time. It doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Vers- yeah. Versus like, Good bad creates a, a, it's like a minefield. If you ask me, I mean, was that a good food? Was that a bad food? I don't know. Let's look it up.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, you know. And the thing is, it's not sustainable long term because you got to ask, you know, you got to ask the person. Well, just like you said, like, how long are you going to avoid this? Like, how long are you going to be able to stick with this? Like, very regimented. You know, you're not. You won't. You won't stick with it. You know. But the thing is again, if you want to have success over a year or two years, three years, four years, which obviously we all do, then you, you got to have some flexibility in your approach because shit's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Shit happens all the time. You know, um, you know, even like, you know, the bodybuilding competitors who are going to step on stage, absolutely ripped, you know, shit happens to them too during their diets and they they got a plan you know you got a plan shit's gonna happen so how am I gonna navigate
0: this you know so and that for for anybody that's I I feel like I mean I do this in business all the time um because, I mean let's just say that my tr- nutrition now is is good and locked in but but even like back in the day I'd actually do the same thing which is you got your plan and okay okay what if that doesn't happen what if you yeah. can't get the thing right so you got to make a plan b people don't make a plan b so when plan a fails it's like oh no you know it's like yeah, now, yeah. now you go back to the same thing you were doing so i always feel like you got to have a plan b and think it through because if you do it's already like okay well I couldn't do this you know what i got this protein shake in my bag and i got an apple and i got you know a small handful of nuts or whatever right like th- that's going to be my plan b that i can go to um, and you know what this is actually leads me to this because i wanted to ask you this This always becomes like a question because but and you're you're coaching a lot of people on this side of things too on the tracking side right because like let's be real right you have to essentially for weight weight loss and sustainable weight loss you know you have to eat less calories than, yep it, it, yeah seek and whatnot but the point but there's so many people we always ask at the beginning like hey on a scale of one to ten you know how confident and and how much do you like you know are okay with tracking your calories and macros and stuff like that, yeah, but yeah. If they're like, I hate it, you know, I'm a four, three, five out of ten, it's like, okay, well, that's not going to be a good fit. But so, what just on your the tracking side of things, what are your thoughts? What have you seen has been successful? Uh, you know, both sides, right? So, what if you're not tracking like the numbers hardcore, what are some other ways that you've seen that work <laughs> well? Um, and just your over, overall view on that,
1: yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a very individual thing, and and you know, I've always kind of tried to assess with people, you know, how do they feel about tracking and things like that? I mean, I would say most people at least need to track pretty well, at least for a period of time. Because some people just like their awareness is like so bad about what they're actually eating that that they got to at least, they got to just grin and bear it, at least for a short period. Because I know tracking can be a pain in the ass. I mean, for... For me, it's like it's if I want to do it, it's pretty easy because I had established such a habit. To do, it. you get to a point where it's so it actually becomes really easy if you do it for long enough. Um, and you have your staple foods and stuff, and and you get to a point where you can start eyeballing things anyway, and you don't really necessarily need to weigh and measure and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I, but I try to get as much people to track as I can. For people that have a hard time with tracking, then I try to simplify it. Um, you know so, for example, rather than completely tracking macros, um, maybe I'll just say, Hey, I just want you to track calories and protein. You know, don't worry about the carbs and fats because that's really what matters anyway, right? So, I'll be like, You know, don't worry about the carbs and fats. Um, if, if they can't even do that, then I might try to have them think in terms of portion sizes or, or like a plate model or something like that. I'll be like, Okay, right you know, maybe the size of your fist. Here's a portion size of, you know, I want you to have a, a portion size of a lean meat or a lean protein. You explain to them what a lean protein is. And then here I want you to have, you know, you can have some starchy carbs or whatever, you know, and then maybe a, a vegetable or something, you know, I might try that. Um, or what I might do, and, and actually one trick that I've used, and I know Spencer Nadolsky does this a lot with his He's done this a lot with his patients, but um, if I if I have a client who I suspect is under reporting, like the, I or I suspect they're not accurately reporting their their calorie intake, because they'll be like, you know, I swear I'm eating fifteen hundred calories a day, and they're like, no, they're happening. Up, they're, nothing's happening, and it hasn't happened, nothing's happened for like three or four weeks. Um, I'll be like, one thing I might do is put them on a kind of a just a like a one week MRP schedule. Where they just have some meal replacement powders for like a week you know just for like one week um and that way it takes all the tracking and thought out of it because it's all Mm pre-packaged um and and then if they start losing weight they're like oh yeah my tracking was off you know so so that's one little trick it doesn't work with everybody but um but it has worked with some people i've tried it on um so so yeah i think you just you gotta assess where the person's at and and, you know, look at all the tools you got in your tool bag and, and try to pick whatever tools you think might, is going to work best there.
0: And, and so that's the one of the, like, for, what I've noticed is everybody wants to change everything or they, they want to at least, right? Yeah. But I mean, most people eat three to four meals a day. Honestly, like I, I see most people eat three to like these days. And if you change one meal, you've changed 33% of their yep. day. There's a lot of, this is a big chunk, right? If, I, if, if we can affect in the first two weeks, 33% of your nutrition, man, that's a huge win. Unfortunately, you know, many times people go like, what? So we're going to just work on one meal. Yep. Uh, And then, and then you can go, don't track the other two meals, you know, and then you can go like, okay, do you want to attack the low hanging fruit or do you want to attack the hardest thing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And from there go like, let's just, okay. You want to attack the hardest thing? Great. Let's go with your dinner. All right. All the rest. I don't care. Just track your dinner. Yep. That might be the biggest problem. That might be 80% of the problem there. Right. Yeah. And then that way they're like, all right, I don't have to track this other stuff. And for dinner, Hey, maybe have a, a healthy meal delivery thing. Right. Yep. Or the thing you get in the box and cook, or here's three. Like I also love this cause I'm, I'm a foodie. So if I go like, you know, I was just in Austin with Jay, like we're eating out every night. Right. What's the best barbecue spot. What's this, what's that, what's the other. When I'm in Seattle, I am so routine. It's like crazy. Yeah. And, Like My dinner is like three different meals most of the time, if I'm not, you know, going out. So it's like this one, two, three model, right? One breakfast, two lunches, three dinners type of, I I like that for people, right? So there's some variety, but you're doing, because the thing is, if I eat the same thing, all I got to do is calculate at one time how much it is. Yep. Okay. Your, your dinner is a thousand calories or 750 or whatever. Here's three three dinners that are 750 calories. Make any of those. You like them, you enjoy the food, go with it, right? yeah but i i feel like that's some it's the same thing as like you know i I played ball so for me it was basketball it's like all right here's this move that you want to do okay it's not looking good well let's break down the first part of this move which is your left-handed dribble you know to square up i don't do the whole thing just break down one thing and practice it and get good at it you know and then we'll we'll add the other shit into it you know
1: yeah that kind of reminds me of of like uh and we'll probably talk about this later from a finance perspective, you know, when we talk about, you know, you know, obviously like, you know, some people may not know I'm a day trader and I do a lot of day trading and stuff like that. And, and a lot of day traders who get into it, they, they try to try trade everything. Like they try too many strategies and too many, you know, way too many things. And like, like really it's like, if if you're going to be a day trader, pick one strategy, just one, none else, and master that strategy you know forget all the other strategies whether it's breakout strategies or whatever you know there's there's literally hundreds of different ways of things you can do but um just master that one strategy and then once you've done that then you can start you know trying other stuff but but it's a similar concept just just master one thing just master one thing and and, and the and the thing is that once you've mastered that one thing once you start to tackle the other stuff, the other stuff will actually be easier. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know? And that, that's such a great point. I, I knew there was gonna be, you know, when, when we switched it, I know there's gonna be so, so many correlations, but, it, but it's so true. I mean, it com- comes back to the Bruce Lee thing, right? I'm not scared of a guy that's done 10,000 punches one time. I'm scared of a guy that's done one punch 10,000 times, yep. right? Like, and I yeah. think, it, you know, I would even say, um, you know, if I look at certain things that I'm really ex- excellent at, I'm like oh, I'm pretty good at these, but like man, I just went so hard into this one skill set, and I'm so good at it, and that's really kind of created a snowball effect in other things. Yeah, so, you know, and I think that might be a, a great lesson uh, for for people, right? Like that they're listening to go like, hey, listen, like if you're trying to do four or five different things, don't do it. I, do you think? Here's a question for you. I, my feeling is so if, when somebody's changing their nutrition, like so, okay, let's say you know it's January. So on top of that, it's like New Year's resolutions. There's been COVID, you know, uh, health has gone down. People are like, hey, I wanna get healthier this year. To that, have less, like have less variety when you make the change. I'm a big believer in that. Like, don't yeah. try to go like, okay, uh, let me let me test out these new vegetables and foods. It's like, no, like get a few things that you really like. And, and for the first 30 days, man, like don't try to switch up stuff, like get good at the things. Yes, yeah. twins. Um, I, do you feel the same way about that?
1: Yeah, I, no, I totally do. And in fact, the, the other thing is is actually having less variety can actually help from an appetite regulation because there's actually data showing that the more variety of foods you eat, the more you will eat. I mean, it's it's called the buffet effect. There's a reason why if you put people at a buffet, they will eat more food at a buffet versus if they just have like a single course meal, right? Because, and it's called... um uh, it's called sensory specific satiety. So what happens is like, is like we, we get satiety for a certain flavor or certain combination of flavors, but, but we still don't have satiety for other combinations. It's why you could have this big meal, but you still have room for dessert because, because the sensory, uh, the, the, the dessert, the, 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 senses that it stimulates is different from the meal. And that's why people eat more at buffets. Because you've got this massive variety to choose from. And so, so actually having less variety, at least to start off with, is actually a good thing.
0: Um, I'm glad I brought it up because, of course, you you dropped you drop some research right off the bat. But Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. No, but, it, it, you know, I mean, first of all, if anybody's listening to this and going to buffets, stop going to buffets, damn it. Uh, <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> yeah. A good start. But I, I, I know for me, too, like, you know what it is? taking up less space in my head. Right. Because, yeah. uh, for example, uh, so like last night, you know, really long day, I'm tired, you know, I train, I come home and like, it's almost all like the meal that I make. I'm, I know I'm going to like it. I enjoy the meal, but it's almost automatic. You know, it's like uh, Steve jobs taking the same damn suit every time. It's like, he doesn't have to think yep. about it. for me, it's like the meal thing. is like, I'm going to whip this up. It's going to take me 15, 20 minutes. You know, I'm going to watch some educational stuff while I'm doing it it's almost it's mindless but it's mindless in a way that's supporting my goals yeah versus you know like come home i already got fatigue you know mental fatigue and then i'm like okay which recipe am i going to choose what you know and then and then you reach to you know looping back to what we talked about earlier if you didn't do a kitchen makeover you reach back to the easiest thing calorie dense yep obviously nutrient dense you know and, and not supporting your goals. so That's also why I feel like less variety is so much more beneficial until you kind of build some skill sets there.
1: Oh yeah. And also less, less variety means less choice, which actually makes decisions easier. So, I mean, we've all heard the term analysis paralysis. Like when you have too many choices, it's actually harder to make decisions. Right. You know, and, and in fact, there's a book I haven't read the book, but there's a book on this. It's called the paradox of choice. And it's like, you know, um, I mean, hell, I experience it when my wife is choosing paint colors for the house, and she'll present me with like ten different colors. I'm like, just narrow it down to like two or three, and then I'll pick one, right? But I can't. Like, when you give me ten different colors, I
0: don't know. Like, like half of them day. That task (laughs) is like making you dumb for the day. It's like game over. No, great. I mean, that's it. Because even like it was, uh, I forgot where I was reading this, but it was about you know the most successful people, and automatically people think from the outside, they go like, man, these folks are so driven and they have such um, drive and ambition and willpower. And really once they dug in deeper, they realized that what they did is exactly what you said at the beginning is like, they created more constraints and they cut out the, you know, the white noise and the clutter. And uh, honestly, they set, they moved the, the, the ability to do habits that took them away from their goals. And it wasn't that they had more willpower. It wasn't that they yeah. necessarily had more like drive and ambition, um, but it was just, they created structures and environments that supported where they wanted to go. Uh, you know, which is, we're talking about nutrition. I mean, we could go parallel, right. With these behavior change things, yeah. but um, it, really you kind of want to break down. I, I'm always like such a big fan of, of going, um, you know, like, look at, like just step back and look at what you're doing. Like, what's your day like, you know, what do you, where do you go? What do you do? What do you eat? Uh, where are you eating those things? And some, you know, just writing that stuff out sometimes will go like, Holy shit! Like, I notice, like, when I'm with these friends, I'm always having three to four, you know, glasses of wine, and I'm yeah. always at restaurants not thinking about my food. All right, like. Now you got to, you know, now you got a choice to make, like what constraints I'm going to put in here. Okay. I'm going to do that with them once a week instead of three times a week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to a different, or I'm going to invite them over and I'll make dinner. You know, like yeah, and I control, yeah. what, you know, what's that would happen. So I think that's, you know, awareness precedes change. That's why I'm, I'm with you on the tracking part of things. Cause it's like, if you don't know what you're doing, it doesn't matter. Like it, it, you don't know what you don't know. Um, I, I just feel that you can certainly go and track, uh, in, in different ways, I, like that's a, a a great point. I want to bring it back up again. If you get your calories and your protein right, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Uh, it, when people start going, what about carbs and fat? Let them fall where they may. As long as you got the calories yeah. and the protein, yeah, they
1: don't really matter. The carbs and fats don't really matter,
0: you know. So exactly. So don't think you got to. you Don't think you got to go low carb, high fat. This, that, the other. You don't need. To, you know. Yeah. You, you can do whatever you want on that part. And. But but that leads me into like the, you know, the the most important part when, like I said, it comes to studies, which is the weight maintenance part, right? So yeah. uh, let's actually kind of like look at maybe some scenarios. I mean, I, I like just like real world stuff, but yeah. um, somebody went on some type of diet, you know, let's let's pretend that it wasn't too crazy and um <laughs> like it wasn't too like crazy hardcore, but they lose 15, 20 pounds. And... Most of the time, what happens is that like once you're done with that, right? So let's say I did eight weeks. I, you know, constricted the calories, didn't necessarily track. I was just like, hey, I went on this diet and I followed it and I lost 15 pounds. Uh, feel, feel so much better. Cool. And now I'm kind of going back to my old ways. Well, you're going to put that weight back on and then some. So, you know, how, like, how, what is the best way for maintenance? And like these scenarios that you've seen and you see a lot um, that you coach through, what are some, I would say maybe like the top three things that you see that are issues and like how to go about addressing it. Um, I think there's a, there's a few things from the nutrition perspective.
1: Again, I think people need to get away from the on off thing. Oh yeah, I did my diet for 10 weeks. Now I'm off of it. Um, you have to have the attitude that you're always gonna be on it. But what you can do is is start to relax. Maybe, maybe relax a few things. Let's say you were tracking every day. Okay. You know now maybe start tracking four or five days a week, right? You know, or or you know, maybe scale back, but but do it gradually. Like don't just suddenly go from tracking seven days a week to not tracking at all. You know, um, um things like that. I think you gotta, I think your your transition to maintenance needs to be something fairly gradual and not, you know, um yeah. Um, um I think that the second thing is is that um, maintenance is where the exercise becomes super, super important. Like, and the, the scientific data is like overwhelming on this. Um, you know, the data shows that all pretty much almost all the people who are successful at, at maintaining long-term weight loss have really high physical activity levels. Mm. And, and that, um, that, that works for a couple reasons. Number one, as you transition to maintenance, and this happens to everybody, you're your calorie intake creeps up. It's just it's going to naturally creep up. If you have super high physical activity levels, that kind of gives you a buffer, right? You kind of got this buffer to where if your calorie intake creeps up a little bit too high, you've got this buffer of energy expenditure to kind of, you know, take care of that. Um, Also, we know people who are super physically active, just their appetite regulation is better, their natural appetite regulation. So, they're you're gonna be just less likely to kind of go back to your old habits in terms of eating and stuff. Um, you know, so you know, physical act having really high physical activity and that could be as simple as maintaining a certain step counts per day. You know, I mean I'm I'm actually a big fan of activity monitors and pedometers and stuff like that because it gives people an actual number to kind of an idea of, of how active they're being each day you know? So, um, so, so I think that is also kind of a critical thing. And then the third thing is, is you, you still got to have a plan. Like, like what's your plan? How are you going to maintain, you know, you, you've established all these habits. Now, how are you going to maintain those habits? Like, like, how are you going to, what is your plan to prevent yourself from so like falling back into your old ways? Like you got to have a plan for it. Cause if you think it's just going to be automatic and, and and it's just going to be free sailing from here, it's not, you know, it's, it's not. You're still going to have that put, you know, it's like that you're still going to have the little devil on your shoulder, you know, still kind of wanting to pull you back, you know, to your old ways. And, and, and it's like, so how are you going to deal with that little devil that's on your shoulder?
0: You know, that's, a, that's such a good point because people plan the, you know, diet per se, right? I'm going to go yeah. on an eight week, 12 week, whatever it is thing. And then once it comes to an end, I've rarely ever had somebody go like, okay, this phase is ending. How do I go into the next phase? It's more like, yay, you know, good results, whatever it may be. And it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to take the foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Yeah. And it's, a, that's a slippery slope, right? Where you could dial it back, but still have a plan yeah. of dialing it back. But once again, you know, coming back, if you don't have a path and a plan, your default is going to be back to going the same thing, struggle. And you kind of fall into this loop because I, I think the stats are that majority of people that go and try to lose weight lose weight. I think year one, a, a seventy-five or eighty percent of people gain it back.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty high. I don't remember the exact, and it depends on which study you look at. But yeah,
0: there's there's, there's a bunch of different ones. But you know,
1: but by, by, by the time you hit something like three to five years out.
0: It's, it's like something 90%. like,
1: it, it's like maybe 5% of people have actually still kept the weight off a, a, after, you know, three to five years. So,
0: and I think it's like a third or more, not a third to half actually put on more weight. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is nuts. I mean, it's, it's nuts, but I, I wanted to bring it up because this is the real studies that show this and the reason why you should pay attention to like, Hey, if you do something like that, you got to plan for what's afterwards. Yeah period, you know, whether that's, you know, reverse dieting or whatever else it may be for somebody. Um, And actually, I wanted to, I I did want to touch a little bit on that because it's just such a, like, sometimes I'll even have clients ask me, should I reverse diet? And they don't quite really know what it is and when you should do it. Um, Just your thoughts on it. I mean, let's break it down, like in the simplest of forms, but where does it come into play? Um, You know, when would you use it? And just for people to understand uh why is it why it's a tool and when it's a tool
1: yeah i i think i think some too many people think reverse dieting is some type of magic um you know like 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 oh it's gonna protect my metabolism and all that stuff and i haven't seen any data suggest that's true i think what reverse dieting really is it's more of a little bit of a mental trick mm-hmm. um um because what happens and I, and and I think it's probably most relevant to bodybuilders who have prepped for contests and stuff like that. Like they've been so strict for like 16 weeks or whatever. They're super ripped and their body is just like ready to put on a bunch of fat. And so, and what happens is a lot of bodybuilders just totally go off the rails and just start binging like after a contest and like they gain all this weight and, and everything. And, And so what some of them will do is they'll reverse diet, so they'll just gradually increase their calories back, you know. Um, And I I don't think there's anything magical about it. I just think for some people, it's just a mental tool, you know, people that maybe have a hard time not just returning to a maintenance, like personally, I think it's better just to return to a maintenance calorie from a physiological perspective, but sometimes what's best physiologically doesn't necessarily mean that's what's best psychologically, right? So um so i think it depends on the person um you know if you're the type of person who is like if you know you've been on a diet and then suddenly you return to maintenance and you just tend to binge and you end up going over maintenance then yeah then maybe reverse dieting where you gradually increase your calories is a better idea um now if you're someone who's really good at at uh controlling your calorie intake then I'd say probably just going straight back to maintenance is probably better, you know, so I think it really depends on the psychology of the person, you know, and what what works best for them.
0: You know, that's a great point. I'm glad I threw that in there. Because you're right, a lot of people sometimes talk about it, as if you don't reverse diet. It could, you know, just like, it be a shit show, like, Oh, my God, your metabolism is gonna, yeah, hover, and it's gonna stay low. And you're gonna do, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. But I, I, I like that you said, Hey, it's a it's more of a decision based on psychology rather than physiology. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, hey, if, if you've had problems with this in the past, maybe reverse diet because it will give you some semblance of like, I'm gradually getting back there. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't have that issue, just go back to maintenance and, and, and work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. Uh One quick thing too, like I, I did want to touch on this because look, the reality is, right? I mean, you brought up uh, activity and, uh, even though at the beginning we said, when it comes to weight loss, you know, nutrition is by nutritional adherence is by far number one. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, obviously maintenance of lean muscle mass and, or building it, uh, I mean, and of course there's so many reasons why to do it beyond, uh, it helping with weight loss and fat yeah. loss. Um, uh, but you know, what are some things that, first of all, how, how important do you feel it is to. Not even just maintain, but build some. For most people that are trying to lose weight, um, you know, most like, if we look statistically in the US, for instance, right, uh, aren't necessarily doing strength training. Like the benefits, I I wanted to bring up the benefits of maintaining, but even more so building lean muscle. And what are some uh, of the best kind of tips based on research that you've seen uh, when it comes to that?
1: Yeah, so I'd say building lean mass has a number of important effects. Um, it, it may help, uh, uh, maintain your metabolic rate a little bit better. Not that that, I don't, I don't think that's going to be a, I don't think that's going to make a huge difference in terms of your long-term outcomes, but, um, um, but it will maintain your metabolism a little bit better because lean mass is related to metabolic rate. Um, also I I'd say the, uh, Another importance of it is there is some data to suggest that um, if you do a better job of maintaining your lean mass, um, the the risk of having what I'd call a fat overshoot, so let's say you regain some weight actually is less because um, if you lose a bunch of lean mass, let's say you go on a weight loss program, you lose a bunch of lean mass and fat mass. Um, what happens is you can get this fat overshoot where, your body still wants to go back to the original weight but it just does it by putting on a bunch of fat instead so um so i'd say with having more lean mass it it reduces the risk of having fat overshoot um and i'd say a third thing and i don't even say this is related to lean mass i want to say it's more related it it seems to be an effect of weight training itself so some people that know me have known me as, the, as what, what, what you'd call the neat guy, like non-exercise activity thermogenesis. It's basically all your physical activity, um, spontaneous physical activity that's not exercise. So it's from walking around to fidgeting, all that stuff. That's called neat. And actually, that makes up the majority of your physical activity energy expenditure. Even someone who exercises a lot, a, a big chunk of their day is still made up of neat, of their energy expenditure. And there's tons of data showing that that NEAT plays a really important role in weight loss. Um, Well, part of NEAT is not just how much you're moving around, but also like how efficient are you at your movement? So, um, you know, if I move my arm from here to here, I expend a certain amount of energy doing that. If my body has become more efficient, it expends less energy for the same movement, right? It's conserving energy. There's some evidence that weight training actually uh, because wh- and what happens is when you lose weight, your body tries to become more efficient, mm-hmm. so it it reduces NEAT. So not only are you moving around less, but your body also expends less energy for the same movement. Um, there's some evidence that weight training helps counteract that somewhat. So so actually, it actually counteracts that in that um, improvement in efficiency. So you still you know, you still end up wasting more energy as heat, which you want from a weight loss perspective. You wanna waste some of that energy as heat rather than conserve it. Um, and I don't think that has anything to do with lean mass, but it is a benefit of weight training that, that is currently being explored in, in scientific research right now. So, um, so there's a definite benefit towards your NEAT levels, which can then translate into better long-term weight maintenance.
0: Awesome, it's, it's almost like, a, it's like Dan John says, you know, fat loss be as inefficient as possible yeah yeah you know kettlebell swings are inefficient this is inefficient walking with dumbbells is inefficient cool, yep. right like but i mean of course you know that's not even tapping i, I didn't even want to kind of tap into to, to me personally you know with strength training all the things it does for you i mean I, honestly i feel like mentally the results are as big if not even bigger than your your physical results and being able to do stuff in life and and, and i i feel i'm i'm sure there's some studies around this I'd i'd love to you know, dig deeper into this, right? But people that strength train, how much does it affect um, their compliance with nutrition, you know, keystone habits, I know, I know, there's been a lot of study on keystone habits and things mm-hmm. like that. But but also, you know, how it makes you Oh, this was interesting. I was I was just going over some studies on when you're when you're, for instance, you're not fit, or you're obese, or overweight, uh, they did some studies on coming up to a hill and then asking so for instance a fit person uh what the incline on that hill is and a person that was out of shape and overweight and saying what's the incline on the hill and the the people that were overweight and obese would literally at their estimate was double the incline was uh where fit people were almost half of what it was and a lot of it was like this um bio bio physio social Uh, Effect on our hormones and our mindset and our behaviors and just showing that like when you're hurt for instance or you're unfit or you know it's it's hard for you to go up the stairs it changes your decision making and it makes things seem so much harder right so you now think about you know the the the, whatever 16 hours a day that you're awake um and if, if you're for instance out of shape and you don't have strength and conditioning it's gonna like things are gonna seem harder in life at work, at home. And to me, it's like those effects I feel are even more powerful than just the way you look or, you know, six back abs and blah, blah, blah. You know, like how, how does it give you the capacity in life uh, to make better decisions, uh, to have more uh, capacity mentally, physically, emotionally, like all that type of stuff. And like, you know, I, I I get riled up about this because I feel training is so related to those things beyond just like, Hey, Luca, you know, we looked at the studies and the most important thing is this, and you don't have to strength train as much. Um, and I'm like, man, there's, there's, there's so many benefits to it. They're like, uh, you you gotta start bringing those things up, you know?
1: Oh yeah. I totally agree with you on all that. I mean, I don't have some of the data on that, but I, you know, my personal bias is kind of probably similar to yours. Like I, I just, I think there's a lot of spillover, right. You know, I think when you start strength training and stuff, and again this is all anecdotal but you know you just you see the carryover that happens in people's lives into other areas of their life you know um uh you know it's like suddenly they they start developing better habits in other areas whether it's their you know whether it's just daily habits at home uh or they start doing better at their job at work or they you know may even
0: their relationships improve you know i mean so um you know what's so crazy man i I wish of course this is almost impossible to to track but i I, one of one of our clients that just i was talking to the other day um and you know she's like oh i'm you know gonna shoot for a raise this that the other i was like you know get this book it's called never split the difference it's the best negotiating book and i mean she's done work and all that stuff but like she got a like 50 percent raise which is crazy um and i was thinking about this because through 15 years of owning a gym you know including slovenia I've, i've the conversations i had you know what i'd love to see you know the data of like people that train in vigor how much their income improves and all these oh, other yeah yeah <laughs> compared to average you know and be like look man this is the investment in the gym like you're gonna make you know 72 percent more money within the next yeah. six years <laughs> uh, and, and, but I, I truly i mean once again anecdotal and just experience and and uh I like i i know that this is what happens because it's once again like you, you walk different. Your posture is different. Your energy is different. Your attitude is different. Your belief systems become like, I can do these things, right? I can take on challenges and overcome them. I, and so that, you know, I, I feel like that's a whole, uh, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I love researching, you know, and, and getting the feedback from studies and stuff like that. But there's also stuff that I'm like, I don't need any studies on that one. You know, yeah. I mean, it, changed, it changed my life. It's, it's changed so many people's lives that have come through here. Um, and I think it's, is so 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 beneficial that i just you know just to, I, I i guess i keep bringing it up that to me it's like nutrition like we we have these four the four components right cuz i try to keep it simple so it's there's training there's nutrition there's mindset there's recovery right those are the four kind of boxes that we we put things into for people to go okay look your training's on point don't worry about that like keep doing what you're doing but hey let's work on like the, the nutrition and recovery right or hey maybe nutrition is great like, but you're not doing any training. Let's, let's do that. Let's add some stuff here. And man, you're only sleeping five hours a night. Let's right. It, it, it's, of course, it's, it's more complex sometimes, but that makes organizes things for people to go like, okay, well, I need to work on this box right here and things will get better. Or mind says, mine says another one, right? Like, I mean, you feed your, you feed your body, you feed this sucker right here. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, once a week or once every two weeks, and slowly it starts churning and, and uh, changing your mindset a little bit. Or you know you read books, or you talk to people that help you out with stuff. I think that's just as important to be like, hey, what am I feeding? You know, what am I feeding this? Um, so you know, that I I feel like all these factors come together. Uh, so when you bring things up, I want to be like, yeah, that, that that's like make sure you don't kind of go like, okay, it's just nutritional adherence, and then you you don't you know look at the other stuff that affects um, your behaviors. Yeah. And, um Yeah, now th- this is we're going to we're going to like shoot a curveball right here, okay? <laughs> so, if you have joined this podcast just to be like, "All right, let me figure out um how to best lose weight, keep it off, what does the science say? What are some actual actionable steps that I can take?" Fantastic. But I would I I couldn't resist and I feel like you'll get a lot you know wh- whatever realm you're in, I think you're going to get a lot out of this, but uh the, the, I wanted to switch gears because, well, first of all, just like a quick snippet on how did you get into, you know, where, where people are like, all right, James is in a world of nutrition and losing weight. How do you flip to finances? Because we, we talked about this just in general people, uh, you know, statistically in America, uh, people are not good at saving money um, investing with fi- in financial management, uh, and financial habits. Yeah. Like how did you flip it? Especially in a, in a fitness industry, by the way. Um, but how did you even go into that realm? And then I want to touch on some insights and let, let's hopefully get some people to save more money and make more money. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny the way it started for me.
1: Um, uh, this was back, I don't know, probably around 2007, 2008. Um, I had a, um, I had a little bit of extra money and I just threw it into a Fidelity account. And, um, you know, and I just picked a few stocks. I don't even remember how I picked them. It was just, uh, I don't know. I think I looked at some Fidelity, had some ratings on them and I, I don't, I had no, I had no idea what I was doing. And <clears throat> I don't even know how I came across this, but at the time, I don't think this website exists anymore, but at the time there was this website called Covester, and what it did is um, you could link it to your account and you could compare your returns to that of other investors. And so I was like, oh, I was like, sure, I'll try this. I kind of want to see you know, how I do compared to other people. And I wasn't doing very well at all. <clears throat> and at the time, I was like, there was this one guy that was just literally blowing everybody away. Like his percentage returns were just phenomenal. The guy's name was, was is uh, Timothy Sykes. And- Yeah, uh, I know what that is. Yeah. And he was blowing everybody. I was, like, I was like, what the hell is this guy doing, right? So I went to his website and I found out that he was basically day trading, mainly shorting stocks and stuff like that. Pro- particularly like micro caps and small cap stocks and stuff. And so from there just took on this interest and I was like, Oh, this looks kind of cool. Right. You know? And so, so I started to teach myself from there. I, I, you know, I, I would read his blogs, his website, you know, at the time he had, you know, tons of, literally he had a lot of free information you could just learn from back then. Um, and I started just, you know, I remember I opened a, a thinkorswim account at the time and I started, you know, dabbling in, tra- in you know, day trading, some of these types of stocks and, and started to show a little bit of success you know and so i kind of just did it on the side you know I, I had a full-time job at the time i was working at pro club in bellevue and um, um but even at, when i lost my job at pro club you know i still was doing some trading a little bit on the side and then you know i was working for primera um but the cool thing about being on the west coast is that the market opens at six thirty in the morning here right so so i could still always dabble a little bit in trading while working my full-time job and stuff because you know i couldn't, didn't have to be at work till, you know, eight thirty or nine. So I'd, I'd have a few hours, you know, two or three hours to, to, to mess around. And, um, and I just kept doing it. And, and, you know, me, you know, you know, me, I'm just, I'm this big analytical guy. And so I would constantly keep like stats on my, 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 my trades, my strategies, you know, what strategies were working, what weren't, again, it's all about having a plan, right. And I would also, you know, keep developing this plan and stuff and and I, would, I was having a little bit, of success, not a lot of success, but, but I knew the potential was there. Um, and then eventually I started getting good enough to where I was like, oh, I think I could do this full-time. And so in 2013, I was getting good enough to where I was like, hey, I think I'm going to quit my full-time job and just day trade for a living full-time, right? And so I kind of walked away from the fitness industry a little bit um, at the time. And what started day trading full time and, and I was having like actually way more success than I thought I would. Um, I was like in the top 20 traders on this website called profitly. Um, you know, but the problem is when you start having that much success, it, it, it can go to your head a little bit. And I started like, um, taking on more risk than I should, you know, and then around September of 2014 or October, maybe it was October, um, I don't know, I took this really big short position in, in a stock that I shouldn't have been uh, taking such a big short position in. I had no risk management in place, which usually I would. I had no stop loss in place. And then the trade like, started going against me. And like I froze like mentally. Again, it's one of those things where I didn't have a plan and I didn't know what to do. And literally, I remember that day losing like well over half my trading capital in one day. Like it was just like, and that just mentally shot me. And so, I kept trying to trade, but but by then it's like I didn't have as much capital. And now I was under pressure. I didn't have a job because I I was relying on trading for my income, and like mentally I was just shot. And it started just a downward spiral. And eventually, I I eventually lost all my trading capital, and so. The good thing about that is it, it got me starting weightology again. It got me back into the fitness industry and, you know, I, I built weightology up, but in the back of my mind, I was like, I know that I'm a good trader. I just got to get out of my own way. Right. And so, um, so during that time I was building weightology, I, I didn't do any trading with real money, but I paper traded on the side, basically fake trading, right. Um, just to work on my skills. Um, I was like, if I can't make money paper trading, I certainly can't make money with real, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was doing so well paper trading. I was like, okay, uh, it, it took some convincing of my wife to, to refund an account. <laughs> like she was like, dead set against it. I was like, just, just let me start with a small amount, you know, just really small amount. Um, so 2018, I reopened a small trading account, um, added a little bit into that. And then um, 2019, uh, things just started to snowball and, um, now I'm, I'm still doing weightology full-time, you know, I'm actually my different, the difference now is I'm not going to give that up because I've actually found I'm a better trader when I have other sources of income. Cause now I don't have the pressure to make money trading, but, but anyway, now I'm, I'm basically not only am I full-time weightology, but I'm a full-time day trader and I'm actually having massive success with it. Um, but one thing I found with trading is it got me, it got me better with finance in general. It got me better at just saving money. Um, it got me better at just in general investing, um, you know, just like way smarter with, I'm just, you know, a thousand. It's funny because it's funny, the more money I make, the, the, the more I actually don't want to spend my money, right. You know, it's, it's kind of funny how it works that way, you know, um, But I've just gotten really good at making my money work for me. Um, And so last year, Chad Landers, you know, he he heard about my trading success. And he's had a lot of success with his investing. And he's like, you know what? Um, You know, a lot of fitness professionals are just shitty with their money. Like they are. Like, you know, buying shit they don't need, buying cars they can't afford, you know, not having enough in emergency funds, not knowing how to make their money work for them stuff like that, he was like, you know, we should start something for fitness professionals. Right. And I thought it was a good idea. So, you know, this has been like basically a year in development. Um, we've uh, started a company called FitPro Financial and, and the membership site's going to launch very soon, hopefully this month. Um, if not this month, it'll be next month. But uh, and basically it's going to be, we have tons of content in there that's going to be teach fitness professionals, how to make their money work for them. Everything from investing to um, emergency funds, to debt management, to like um, we're going to have financial coaches. Um, we've partnered with this one company called FinFit. Um, so you're going to have access to like um, courses and like all kinds of stuff. So, um, so I, I think it, it's funny. Um, you know, a lot of fitness professionals are so good with their exercise and nutrition. They're good at planning their exercise. They're good at planning their nutrition. But then when it comes to finance, they don't have the same mentality. Like they just don't. And, um, you know, and,
0: and so that's,
1: that's something that we want to try to. Okay. So
0: to so through. much I, before, cause I, there's so much to unpack here. And I was, I, <laughs> as you were talking, there's so many lessons actually that popped up from from your experience, and and I do want to get into at least like kind of like some, uh, big principles that you think are really important for anybody, uh, yeah. specifically fit pros. But I, I want to point out some stuff that you were talking about to you know anybody that's listening here because, number one, like you started trading in two thousand seven two thousand eight, and did it for years. Yeah, build the skill set, of day trading and and became really good at it. You know, so lesson number one uh, to become good at anything. Like, and you know, you, you're d- d- putting hours of work and start it small, build it up. Yeah. But number one, like, because I see this all the time where people are just like, Oh, in the next year, I can't tell you how many events and seminars I go uh, to yeah. in the next year. I want to be doing multiple. And look, it's not like it's possible, but I think people attach so much to that goal rather on this process and the journey. And like, yeah, if you get great at the skill set of it, you know, you'll be fine long-term and you did exactly that. And then, you know, lesson number two, oh boy, have I learned that lesson many times in my life in a hard way, you know, humility. um, When you start going like, oh yeah, buddy, I'm the shit. Um, Then you forget about putting the, you know, what we talked about earlier with nutrition, which is like putting guardrails in place. Yeah. Right. Yep you you don't like, you, you take a bet and a risk, which I'm, I'm okay with when, but, but you got to put some guardrails in place and you didn't yep. do that. And like it, and it humbled you. And then that can mess with what we talked about also yep. with your mental stuff. Right. Like, which is, I feel like a lot of times when people gain and lose weight, it starts eating at their confidence. And, you know, but you, once again, you built that back up with guardrails. I, I think guardrail yep. number one, paper money, like not real money. Yep. Right. But like, I can do this. Okay, cool. Let's let's go and invest again, but like small and build it back up, right? Yep. So hopefully, like everybody's kind of seen the lessons here, and I think this is key too, right? Like you said, man, start it back up with waitology and and be like, hey, I love this thing. Like I don't want to let it go. I actually do better with having some buffers, which I I think is. Um, yeah. you know, Adam Grant talks about this in Originals, uh, the book Originals. A huge misconception in entrepreneurship is is that people go like, fuck it. I'm leaving my job and I'm going all in. Yeah. Not true. Actually, majority of, of, of successful entrepreneurs, they go, okay, I'm going to build this thing on the side for you was spending hours a day trading, but still going to work, still busting your ass. Yeah. And then when things become good enough, then you start slowly kind of going, okay, maybe now I can leave this job, this position. And that's what the vast majority of people do. But that doesn't sound as cool as the shit on IG, or it's like, just jump, you know, just jump off the cliff. And it's like, listen, especially if you have like a family, and you have yeah. mortgages, and you got this, that, the other. That's probably not a smart thing to do. Um, and you know, I think your journey is kind of like this great example of making it happen, having, you know, kind of the the being humbled yeah. by some by some some positions. But now, because of that, looking back, probably you're you're ten times better. Oh, I'm way better. Like, like
1: I've come out it, so much better in so many ways from it,
0: you know? Man, um, it, it's It's almost like, uh, it's almost like we planned this, uh, this story to be a great, <laughs> wisdom, great wisdom for every area of, of, of career and life. Um, yeah, but I, I love that. Like love that you shared that because it, it makes so much sense. and There's so much to learn from that. Um, but with, with that said, you know, it's like, if there's some kind of like these big principles that you're like, what would you recommend, you know, uh, almost like step one, two, three, uh, without diving deeper. And like, I'm sure, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm so into this too, that we we might have to do an episode just on finances. But, uh, uh, you know, what are like these three big principles that you'd recommend to anybody, but specifically fit pros when it comes to investing, uh, and creating security financially in their lives?
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd say number one, you got to have an emergency fund and, and you got to sock some money away that you can, because everyone's going to have emergencies and like, like literally actually um, uh, Chad just posted uh, something today and I, I reposted it, but it was like, uh, there was this article on CNBC something like less than, less than four out of every 10 Americans had enough money in savings to cover like a $1,000 emergency expense. That's like that's not very much.
0: Like, you know. like, Let's pause there for a second. And I'm like, we're not here uh, judging by the way. Yeah. Uh, but but it should be, you know, but I, that should be like a, a, a super big emergency red flag. Yeah. To understand how, you know, that less than 40% mean, can't pay for a thousand dollar emergency. Yeah, that, that's nuts. Yeah. That's nice. Okay. I had to yeah. Just drop for a second.
1: <laughs> Yeah. So, so people need to, you know, so you got to have an emergency fund and, and, and I think we've all learned with COVID that it's probably got to be a lot bigger than you think it needs to be. Right. I mean, you know, it used to be, they say, they used to say, oh, you should cover basically three to six months of living expenses, you know, stuff like that, you know, in your emergency fund. Well, now I think with COVID, I think a lot of people have learned it probably needs to be six months to a year that you got to have socked away, you know, now that for, to some people who don't have that, that might seem overwhelming. And again, that's where you just do the baby steps. You just, you know, t- put a little bit in, you know, it'll, it'll add up over time, but just make sure you're putting some stuff in uh, the emergency fund. Um,
0: you, you know, what's really been beneficial for me. Uh, and I started doing this a long time ago uh, when you say like the baby steps is automation like this is where oh you yeah automation and yeah make it easy make it easy so you don't have to you don't think. have to think about it and yeah. and to me it's like a long time like there's some accounts where i set up. i'm not exaggerating probably like now 10 years ago uh and i set it up back in the day when i was still like a vision quest i think that probably like, 12 years ago and it wasn't even a lot of money going out you know but i was just yeah. like oh, I, I need to put this on the side and i forgot about it you know yep. and now i'm like oh shit Ooh, that's a good chunk of money in that account. Right. Like yeah. but the thing is, whatever I keep my personal account, it never goes really, really high. Everything kind of comes and goes. Right. Yeah. Because so I know how I, I mentally when I look, if I look at that account, there's, you know, more that more. I'm like, I might be like, oh, I'm just going to go spend some of it. So I've once again created these guardrails that we've been talking about this whole time. Right. I mean, that's yeah. that should be a big, big, big lesson. These guardrails are like, I don't want that to hit like I want it to hit and go. You yep. so by the time I look at it, it's gone and it's, you know, whole life, maybe some goes in investments, it goes in another account, whatever yeah. it may be. So, you know, do that. And, and if, even if it's 50 bucks a month, it does, it's the habit of doing it. I'm telling you, you make more, you bump it up a little bit, you make more, you bump it up a little bit, yep. but make a habit of doing that. And it's going to be a game changer. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. That's, that's, that's number one.
1: Yeah, number one, I'd say number two is um, don't buy shit you don't need, especially if you can't afford it. I mean, I mean, it, it it seems so simple, but a lot of people struggle with that. Like, like you know, people taking out big loans for cars that they want and everything. You know, it's like or or whatever. I, I think sometimes people, you just have to really ask yourself: Do I really need this right now? Is this something I can afford? You know, or is this going to really stretch my budget too much? Or is this something I can wait? You know, is this something I can wait on? You know, I'm not telling people that they should never buy stuff that they, sh- you know, that they shouldn't buy things that they want, but y- you got to factor in needs versus wants and where you're at financially. And too many people, I think, focus too much on what they want and then getting it right now versus, you know, versus putting it off, you know, and, um, you know, swear, it's, just, it's
0: where it's like a, we almost had a meeting before just to talk that these points you are bringing up that that we're so on point with this. So I, you know, this is my philosophy too. Like, and I, I like, you know, I'm, I'm I'm European from the Balkans grew up in communism socialism. And I, I like nice cars. Now here's my, and I, I have a, I would say a nice sports car and whatnot. Now here's my rule for this, because there's always, you know, people like, well, what about this? I said, look, if, if, if getting that would affect my life in any way, you know, and, and especially like I'm huge on investing in myself and, yeah. and the company and the team. Um, if I couldn't do that, if I can't put money away, if I can't travel, you know, like these things that are way, way more important to me, by the way. Right. There's no way I'm getting any of that. Yeah. You know, and, and so and you have to have some rules and I have and I have some rules for this, by the way. Right. Yeah. It's like if you know, can you uh, buy outright X, Y, Z amount of times, you know, Uh, if you have a monthly payment, does it even, I mean, I mean, how, what a percentage of, of your regular income or revenue, whatever it may be, is it? So you gotta have some rules. Cause if you get something like that and it's stretching you, meaning like you're, you're like, oh shit, I don't know if we can go out to dinner today. Or what about this? Oh, I couldn't put money away on the side. You you can't get it. Like, that's my rule, right? It's like, you gotta have those rules in place. Uh, because once again, you, you, you have to think, what is it doing for you as far as an investment in not, you know, financially, but also I was saying your fulfillment or stress, right? So that's a great, 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 great point. I'm sure most people were like, I didn't know he's going to say that number two, but that's, that's, a big, that's a big <laughs> well, one.
1: Well, yeah. Cause the thing is, and this kind of leads into number three, if, if, you know, if you're, if you're not buying shit, you don't need, right. Or not stretching yourself financially then that leaves you money that you can now invest and make work for you you know and so you know i'd say number three is obviously you know you want to have emergency savings if you have debt make sure you're paying it down because that can just act like a huge weight on you you know um and if you don't have much debt then don't go into debt you know i mean like like try to avoid it if you can um And then on top of that, then start putting money away towards, you know, learn about retirement funds. You know, a lot of, a lot of personal trainers are self-employed. There's options that you have for putting money away for retirement. There's tax benefits to doing it, Um, you know, and, and learn how to invest and you don't have to be some sophisticated investor or like a hedge fund manager or whatever, you know, it can be as simple as just doing index funds. I mean, an index fund will return will give you, you know, on average around an 8% year per year return, which is way better than
0: a savings account, which I mean, doesn't give you shit now, you know, so what a a great point. And the thing is, is like betting on an index, essentially investing in an index beats out, uh, I think the number was like 98% of, uh, I would say hedge funds, mutual funds. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Long-term you'll win with the index. So you could legitimately just put money on the side and not think of it short term and just go on an index. And right there is a good strategy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and you don't have to think about it. Again, it's one of those things where if you can automate it, you know, having a certain amount of money taken out of your account each month, it just automatically goes into your retirement or automatically goes into an investment fund. Um, You know, and there's tons of, you know, I mean, there's Vanguard, Fidelity, there's all kinds of places you can do this. Um, uh, You know, then do it, you know. And and even if, again, even if it's just a small amount, you know, it will add up over time. Um, And then you get the benefit of like compounding interest and stuff like that, where you're basically making money off of your money, off of your money, basically, you know, I mean, over time. Um, But you got to have a long, really long-term horizon. And the sooner you start, the better off you are. So like, if you're a fitness professional in your 20s, um, you've got a, a time advantage over a fitness professional who's in their late 30s or 40s. Now that said, it's never too late to start. You can still, you know, uh, still get started you know no matter what but um uh, just like it's never too late getting into a fitness program or getting your nutrition right you know so um you know there's so many overlaps between the two oh, industries
0: okay. uh, like it's, it's pretty
1: amazing when you think about it
0: it's you know it's funny because like the one of the things i wanted to, to go like on the tracking side of things like i i think step one is you know because people say i don't have money you know it's like that i don't have time i don't have money to invest and it's like well if you actually just saw where you spend your money you'd see that you have, look, you might just have 50 bucks or an extra hundred bucks a month, you know, but like, you know what, that's 1200 a year over 10 years with compound interest, you can calculate it, right? Like what that comes to, but it's tens of thousands of dollars, right? Like uh, imagine now, but imagine like doing well and then bumping up that to 200 and 300. You have, like, I know I'm still spending, you know, I, I saved so much this year with COVID because, I would eat, you know, one of my, my habits was eating out too much and eating yeah. healthy and all that good stuff. But like, if I make it at home, you know, it's like an $8 meal or whatever, you know, like if I eat yeah. out like 40, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I save, I just saved a chunk of money there doing stuff like that. And, and of course we all make decisions, you know, what's worthwhile and what, what not. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the second point being, for instance, like even when you're talking, like I, like in the last 10 years. There's uh, investments that I'm like, oh man, I should have made that. Like for instance, betting on, in- you know, investing in index funds. Uh, you know, I went the route of a couple of different things, but you know, one being real estate and, you know, I, I, I own my building, me and Krebs own another uh, apartment building upstate New York. That was a smart and good investment and, you know, builds equity and so on and so forth. Yeah. And some other investments, but you can always improve, right? Like even us having a conversation, it's giving me a, a reminder and kicking about, Ooh, like, let me actually, let me automate some other stuff and put it here. And, you know, to the point, like it's never too late. And, and the thing is you can't honestly, you know, and all you do, you build it up step by step. Like we talked about nutrition, same thing, right? Yeah. Maybe you fix one meal. Okay, cool. Well, maybe you start having money go out into an index fund, right? But then step number two, maybe it's into, uh, you know, just a pure savings or maybe you open up a Roth IRA or whatever else it may be, right? it's just a step-by-step and then automate it as much as you possibly can. Uh, and, you know, you'll look three, four, five years from now and be like, holy crap, you know, I, I, I didn't even have to think about it. You know, it, it just worked for me. So, you know, if you can, that's why I wanted to touch on this, because I think these are great pointers. These are three, three big ones. And um, if you're listening to this, like, hey, after the, I'm a big, I'm big on this, right? You learn something and it hits you like go set up an account right now don't don't go like yeah. oh let me do it like no get it set it up right now through your bank you can do that in, like quick yeah. if you already have an account you know or or go down to your actually I got it cuz I got I, I actually got Fidelity account too but I heard that Chase uh, cuz I have a, a bunch of Chase accounts and business accounts there Chase has Chase trading I heard is really good and easy cuz you can move stuff around really quickly yep and I actually have no shit if I show it to you on my on my phone today I have it in my phone like go open Chase trading account, uh, you know, and, and those things like it'll take a little bit of time and that's going to compound because you can set it up. Hey, 50 bucks a week is going out. The thing is you won't notice it. You won't Yep. end of the month. You won't notice it because you'll adjust your spending to what you have. And now you just made, you know, over the next 15 years, you just you just gave yourself a hundred thousand dollars in savings with that one quick move. And yeah. I think that's a really good return on investment for your time and energy spent, you know? Oh, totally. Totally. is. So yeah, we, we're going to have to, you know what, we might, we'll have to do a, a, an episode on day training. Well, actually, you know what, make sure you guys go and follow uh, James and, and, and Chad uh, <laughs> we'll, and we'll, we'll dig in on that uh, and, and maybe finagle this a little bit more. I'm a geek about this stuff, man. So, you know, <laughs> I could probably I could probably start having this conversation like holy shit we're two and a half hours in what's going on, um, <laughs> but man so much so much knowledge dropped man like I you know I always like to do a dot 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 and leave it for another episode because uh, you know hopefully everybody took a ton from this uh, I'm, I'm I definitely did so I know I know that and, and re- remember if you're listening like take the big things and then act on them right don't think about the I don't know 30 lessons or 20 lessons or whatever something that hit you. Take action on it today, whether it's when it comes to nutrition, like creating more guardrails, putting some things in place that're going to help you be successful, uh, if it comes to finances, you know, going like I said, open an account, like t- do the action at least one, take a step and you're going to be better off. Uh, thank you so much, brother. This was awesome.: Yeah, man, thanks for having me. It's, appreciate it's, it's quite you, but like, funny I appreciate you have to do this. Oh for, for, yeah we're definitely going to do it again. I mean, like I said, neighbors man, we're neighbors here, Dan yeah, um, yeah for sure but let everybody know where they can find more about, you know, uh, both on the side of, uh, weightology, uh, the financial, uh, plan for fit, fit pros, uh, so they can follow up, up with this and learn more. Uh,
1: yeah. So, um, for all my fitness related stuff, uh, you just go to weightology.net that's W E I G H T O L O G Y.net. And I've got tons of free articles on there related to muscle building, fat loss, nutrition, stuff like that. Um, and then, for people that really like to nerd out on research, I have a research review that you know people can subscribe to, and uh, um, you know, uh, and yeah, you can learn more that that way. Um, for those of you interested in the finance stuff, there's actually a couple places you can go. Um, Chad and I have started a website. You can go to fitprofinancial.com. We're eventually going to have a membership only uh, section of the site, but. We've got a little bit of content on there right now. Uh, you can sign up for our email list uh, there um, uh, if you, if you want to know more. But once the membership site launches, uh, we're going to have like basically weekly, um, basically fireside chats are kind of like podcasts uh, where we talk about financial topics and investing and trading. And uh, we're going to have uh, like there's going to be a tons of stuff we have. Fo- we're going to have forums on there. Um, you know, everything again, relating from investing to trading, to debt management, to, to all that stuff. We're going to have a chat room in there, like all kinds of cool stuff. So, um, so check that out. And then for those of you who are really interested in day trading, I'm, I am warning you day trading is, is very, very difficult. Like, uh, somebody, you know, um, I I say it's the, it's the hardest, easiest way to make money. Like it's easy to press the buttons and stuff like that, but as far as like basically 95% of people that fail at it. So it's, it's not very easy, but if, if it is something that, that you're interested in, and in, um, I have another website, kind of the sister site of fit pro financials called stockwonk.com S T O C K W O N K.com. Um, and I, that, that site is really focused on day trading. I have a number of articles on there and I may have eventually have some educational stuff regarding day trading on there uh, in the future, but, uh, but yeah, that, those are the three places you can find me. So.
0: Awesome. And all Thank my you. social
1: media accounts are on those sites too. So, so, you know, if you want to know where to follow, you know, my Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff.
0: So. And, I, and I'll put all that in the show notes too. So I'll connect, I'll yeah. connect uh, James's uh, social media so you guys can check that out. So much knowledge drop. Appreciate you, my brother. Yeah, God, thanks as for having as me. Always go make sure you share the episode. You know, leave a review, always helps us spread the word. This word definitely needs to be spread on both accounts. So make sure you do that. Love and appreciate you guys. Peace out. See you in the next episode. See you later.